Welcome to episode 25, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about, is it too late to buy Bitcoin? Just last week, we had a friend come up to us and say that she loved our podcast and also said, hmm, I wish I would have bought Bitcoin five years ago. And that sparked the conversation of, oh, well, it's okay because you can still take action today and five years from now, you can say, oh, thank God I took five, um, action five years ago. So we're going to dive deep into the topic of is it too late to buy Bitcoin? Let's begin. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palwe, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. Episode 25. This is the episode where we just released our new soundtrack. Very original to Goful Crypto. A huge shout out to our audio engineer, Kaushik Sethanath. He's the one who designed it and it just so accurately describes what we were going for. The first time we heard it, we thought of Money by Pink Floyd. <laughs> There's Pink Floyd fans out there. Let us know if you thought the same thing. And once again, thank you, Kaushik, for creating this fantastic track for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one more thing before we dive into the episode, uh, you you got an award this week. I, d I did. Yeah. And yes. what, what award is that? Uh, the Next Generation Leadership Award. That's right. Yeah. So you got recognized by Digital Nova Scotia uh, here in Canada. And that's that was really cool. Uh, if Rukashi did a, a thank you speech as well. And you can check out our social media channels, go for crypto uh, social media channels. If you uh, if you want to see Rukashi's acceptance speech. Fantastic. Thank you for mentioning that, Keegan. Yeah. All right. So we were sitting at this climbing gym last week and uh, we were avid climbers, boulders to be more precise. And there, this one person, we hadn't seen her for a year. She came up to us and we were obviously naturally very happy to see her again. And we were talking about climbing for a bit. And then she said, by the way, I've been listening to your podcast. I love it. Thank you so much for creating this. And then she said, oh, I, you know, after I heard it, I, one of the episodes, I wish that I bought Bitcoin five years ago. And we didn't have enough time in that interaction to continue that conversation. But we said to her, oh, it's, it's not too late to buy. You, you can buy today. We also said uh, that's our next podcast topic. Yes. And so here we are. Yeah. So this is it. That interaction actually like put a great big smile on my face for the, for the first part and the second part. But the first part was someone... That, uh, that we both know and like uh, walked up to us and said uh, that they appreciate or enjoy the thing that we're producing. And that was amazing. That's such a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So that, we're really happy. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And yeah, now here we go. We're going to answer your question. Uh, your question was, is, is it too late to buy Bitcoin? And the first thing that we want to mention is you're not alone. This is actually one of the most common questions that, that we get asked or one of the most common comments more rather is uh oh i i'm too late i know it bitcoin's too high and so we want to kind of myth bust a couple of these and debunk uh, that thought process right exactly um do you want to start anything off with or yeah i did so it, yeah. it kind of brings me back to that episode we did with you keegan where you came for the gains but you stayed for the philosophy right and <laughs> you were freaking out about two or three days ago about the price of bitcoin because currently it's above 17,000 Canadian. And yeah, not because it's going down rapidly, because it's going up rapidly. That's <laughs> that's very stressful. Yeah, so Keegan was freaking out. And um, 
it just it brought me or brought to the attention that we we need to stop really focusing on the price because so what if it's two thousand dollars up from where it was a couple of days ago because just put yourself in 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 this imagination maybe in the next year if one bitcoin equals a hundred thousand dollars what are you going to do what is your plan it was your plan to buy a particular portion of bitcoin and then sell when it reached that or do you have a larger more long-term bigger perspective vision plan uh, or vision where you want to transact in bitcoin you just you want that to be the currency that you use to pay someone for their goods or services because if if that if that kind of philosophy is what you came to bitcoin for then it doesn't matter what the price is per se not 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 it's not worth stressing about right yeah absolutely i, I think one of the points that is kind of weaved into what you just said is uh, like broaden your time horizon uh like shorten or longer make, make your time preference longer and what that means is uh like if you make an investment what is your plan are you going to sell that in a year like you said are you going to sell it in two years are you not going to sell it uh, do you think that Bitcoin is the way of the future for the globe and the globe's going to adopt it as a money? Uh, because if, if that's what you're thinking, then then $17,000 per Bitcoin is an extremely low price. Uh, so like, you really need to put it in the perspective and ask yourself, OK, where is this trend going? What's happening in five years? What's happening in 10 years, 20, 50, 100? 300? What's happening in 500 years? No one's going to be alive. I mean, the people... Not no one, sorry. <laughs> no one. <laughs> the people that were listening to may not be alive by then. Right, but so here's what I'm thinking. Like, the Bitcoin that we've accumulated is something that we can leave to our children. Like, it's an inheritance. Uh, because I am looking at it on, on a, like, a 100-year time scale. What is this going to look like? And I'm asking myself these questions. Is the internet going to be around? Probably. Are we going to, as a globe, continue to implement hyper-connected devices and technologies? Probably. Is there going to need to be an internet of value that allows us to trade, transfer, and share money on a global basis? Yeah, probably. Do I think that foundation is Bitcoin? I do. I think it's likely. And so for those reasons, uh, the price now really doesn't matter because I'm not thinking about selling next week to make a quick buck. I'm not thinking about selling in two years to make a quick buck. I'm thinking about leaving this to my children and paying for their education and putting a down payment on a house and leaving my children a sizable retirement. That's or sorry, a sizable inheritance. <laughs> <You thought laughs> so that they can have a sizable retirement. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the, the first piece of advice is like, look, you gotta look at this in the broader scheme of things, which is really tough to do. Um, we, we mentioned this phenomenon, it's the inability to understand the exponential function. And uh, I, I see you having some words here, so I'll yeah. let you speak. Well, yes, you said you need to think about where you want to go with this. Do you want to sell in two years? Do you want to sell in five years? And then you talked about retirement and how you're looking at Bitcoin as a savings. Um, yeah, like a savings account. account. Of, yeah. of sorts. And that's just one example. You, if you know, there are other belief systems where you can you can think of it as well. I'm just accumulating the money that we're all going to be using in the next ten years because I believe we are. This is the best alternative to government currency. And if, if that is the case, then you're essentially just holding until everybody else that you know accepts Bitcoin, and then you already have that leg up on being able to trade, transfer, and share value for those goods and services around the world. 
And, you know, that's, that's just, I just wanted to put in there that yeah. that is another reason. It doesn't simply have to be for putting a down payment on a house or... Or spending. Or spending it. Um, like, I would advocate against spending it right now. Well, yes, but also you talked about a really long-term planning, leaving it for your kids' retirement. <laughs> or that was... <laughs> yeah, but I jokingly said retirement or mistakenly said that. Okay, I meant inheritance. Cool. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So, like, you, you mentioned savings account, and I just want to have our, our listeners know that uh, this was covered in episode 10 with Ali Hamam. He really did a great job of driving home the fact that the way he sees Bitcoin... As, as is as a superior savings account. So if you haven't checked out that episode, it's our first guest episode and he nails it. Uh, and uh, that's that's totally worth a listen. So that was just a quick aside. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he did talk about an article written by Robert Breedlove, who's, um, who's another whose other article that we have been reading, just finished reading a couple of weeks ago. We made an, a podcast or sorry, an episode on it. And it was Episode 23. Yeah, episode 23, where we uh, dove deep on three of the statements in that particular um, article. And after you listen to episode 10, you can also listen to episode 23 if you really want to get to understand um, the origins of money or just a better understanding on what money is and how it's used. Yeah, and that's actually really relevant for this conversation because understanding the evolution of money can help you understand why Bitcoin is the next evolution of it and why it's here to stay. Right. If we if we think, OK, we came from shells and beads and glass and all these other things and we eventually got to gold and then we invented paper money. And now this is an absolutely scarce thing that that mimics gold, but can also be transferred and, uh, at the speed of light anywhere around the planet. You're like, OK, cool. This is the next foundation for the Internet of value like that. This does actually make sense 50 years from now. It, it is totally reasonable to think that this will be around. 50 years from now. Yeah, and I, I just thought of an example. So 20 years ago when the internet was commercialized, actually it was more than 20 years ago, 1993. Yeah. yeah, 1993. It, w- it was very expensive to get a connection to the internet. It was at that point somewhat of a, a scarce asset because not everybody <laughs> had the ability and not ev- everybody was in the position to pay for whatever allows people to connect to this interesting new thing called the internet. And as it was adopted further and uh, faster, peop- the, the cost started going down. And I'm sure there's a term for this somewhere where... Well, essentially the barrier to entry to adopt the internet went down. Like yeah, it well, just became more accessible. Yeah, along with the devices that were used to um, make that accessibility more possible and more available to a larger um, age range. So I think we've talked about this in one of our episodes, and I don't remember which one precisely I gave this example, but when I was in grade seven, grade eight, if I had a phone, I was cool. <laughs> I, and I would, you know, travel from one class to another. I had lots of hobbies, so I, I did a lot of um, traveling for monthly summer by myself. And my, my parents were like, okay, take this phone because we need to know where you're going. I, I grew up in Pune, huge city, whatever. In so India. In India. And uh, I had a phone and that was considered cool. And these days I see toddlers walking around with ipads playing a game and and i wasn't in graded that long ago probably over a decade ago um wow it seems yeah so while these concepts like seem really difficult for some people to understand like digital money internet-based money uh non-government based money these uh these concepts when like we've given some presentations that went and talked to uh, high school students um and junior high students and they catch on immediately they're like oh yeah yeah, that makes sense. Totally. Why? Why would it be any different? Duh. Absolutely. Right. So, like, 
you can get ahead of, uh, ahead of the younger generation if you like and uh, and start thinking about what uh, what technologies uh, that the kids growing up today will, will be using and I mean I, I might be going in on a limb here but I'm pretty sure it'll be some sort of cryptocurrency yeah well when we spoke to uh, Michael Peterson on the episode mm. about Bitcoin Beach he was telling us about how first they wanted to go about it by uh, talking about the ease of use and ease of transfer with the people who had businesses, the locals um, uh, in this town called uh, El Zante. Zante. Thanks, Keegan. And then it was really hard because it was hard to get through to local people who had businesses to to convince them, oh, it's this internet money, because they were like, oh, it's this magic internet virtual currency. Why are you trying to make us use it? What am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with that? How how am I going to give it to somebody else or whatever? But then they realized that, okay, cool, let's let's try it a different way. And uh, they went about teaching the youth in El Zante on how to use Bitcoin. They got it probably within a matter of hours. But when Michael Peters said, he said they just got it immediately. It just made sense to them. And they they noticed that once the youth knew about it, they started using it immediately because adoption for them was instant. And because they were using it, uh, they kind of made the youth their ambassadors uh, so that the youth could teach their uncles and aunts who inevitably ended up being someone who owned a grocery store or, you know, the locals of Alzante. And the adoption curve be- started looking, uh, oh gosh, what sort of curve I'm is not, where the adoption... <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but like, I, I do want to riff on the, the fact that you brought up the early stages of the internet. And, and I just want to draw a parallel between that because there's been lots of comparisons with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general, comparing like, okay, where are we with respect to the adoption of the internet? Because that resonates with a lot of people. And if we were to put a year on it, it's about 1990, 1992. It's like we're right before uh, the internet becomes commercialized with respect to cryptocurrency. It's just starting to take off. And we, we like to kind of joke about this, but I ask the question, like, if I if I said it was too late to invest in the internet in 1992, uh, well, most people wouldn't even know what I'm talking about with respect to the internet. And and. The people that do know what I'm talking about with respect to the internet, they'd say, no, 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 listen, the internet's just getting started. It's not a fad. It's, it's hyper-connectivity. This is where, where the world's trending. It's it's a hyper-efficient system for transferring information. This is a hyper-efficient system for transferring money. It completely blows the existing financial systems out of the water. It makes them um, pretty well obsolete. Yeah, just for the for the transfer of money or the, like the trade and transfer. And I guess I can't say just, but there's definitely many upgrades to <laughs> uh, financial technology that exists outside of banking institutions because anything that is slow to change will be quick to fade away. So, and the quick can also be elongated <laughs> over a period of time, but when you look at it in scale, it, it seems quick. Yeah, and so the commercialized internet is thirty years old right 1990 to uh to 2020 and bitcoin slash cryptocurrency the idea of it is actually goes back to about 1982 uh but the actual invention and implementation and the running of a uh, an internet of money is uh goes back to when bitcoin was instantiated when it gets started which is january 3rd 2009 so we're only 11 years into this thing and so i this is it's it's a little crazy when we hear i'm too late and they look at the price and, and say, I'm too late, right? They're not looking at the trend. They're not looking, okay, where is this going 50, 100 years from now? So we just really encourage people to, to take that broader 
outlook and, and ask themselves, do I see this working long into the future? Yeah, and just a step outside of um, talking about Bitcoin for a second, there are hundreds and thousands of cryptocurrencies out there. Let's talk about Ethereum, which is the, the second, rank, second ranking in terms of market capitalization, um, the second cryptocurrency. And Ethereum stands not only as a currency that you can transact in, but it also has a representation of all of the projects that it embodies. Um, and the best way to think of it is like it's a really huge supercomputer that enables a lot of other applications within itself to exist. Cool. Do you have anything to add there, Keegan? I, I don't, actually. I'm really focused on talking about Bitcoin at the moment. <laughs> oh, gosh. OK, well, it is important that we talk about other cryptocurrencies as well that allow for something, because if we say cryptocurrencies are here to exist for thousands or maybe hundreds and hundreds hundreds of years more into the future, then we need to address what other cryptocurrencies also stand for. Yeah. So here's, here's like my take on this is like, I actually see Bitcoin as money, uh, like, like the Canadian dollar, like the US dollar, but without a government backing it. Whereas I see Ethereum not as money, but as a, like, uh, what well, it's, it's different. It's a, like you said, it's a supporting cryptocurrency for the rest of the projects that are hosted on that, on the global supercomputer known as Ethereum. Uh, it's like I don't necessarily see it as um, as money. <laughs> well, if money is a belief system, and then um, people are free to believe whatever. Hundred thousand other people believe that Ethereum is also money. Then, or Ether is the currency is called is also money. Then it becomes money. True. Yeah, for that group of people. For that group of people, and then if the adoption on that is, kicks off, then there you go. Now you have a new form of money that millions of people or whatever group of people um, understand around the world. I, I would say that, uh, you know, coming back to money, there's many different ways of thinking about money too, because let's say, um, what are those cards? What Like baseball cards that are signed by someone? Yeah, or magic cards, for Ma example. Oh, yes. There's like the oh, huge market for magic cards that yeah. like uh, friends our age bought when they were young because they like to play magic. They actually like to do magic. The gathering as a board game, yeah, by the way, they like to do the game of magic. And now they're selling these cards for 200, 400, 600 upwards, like tons of money. Yeah, because they're rare and they're scarce. Hint, hint. So, you know, I'm sure they're assets. So these magic cards are assets or like a baseball card signed by um, an authoritative figure in baseball is also a form of currency. It's a form of money or it can at least be exchanged for another form of money. It, I, so I, I don't think it's money because I think it lacks some of the properties of being a money like divisibility. For example, I can't rip one of the cards in half and have it be worth half as much. Have each part be yeah, worth half as much. Sure, but even with the one Satoshi, which is the smallest uni unit of Bitcoin, can you divide one Satoshi into any more parts? I mean, the divisibility, I understand how uh, it can be applicable to some things and not others. So, like I said, if it can be considered an asset, because even gold, you can't really divide it. Yeah, sure you can. You can you can shave it down. But like, here's the point. Like, uh, divisibility is, is one aspect and degradability is another. So like over time, data doesn't degrade. Like the Bitcoin uh, that you have in your wallet, it doesn't degrade over time and neither does gold. Uh, like gold as an element, it doesn't decay like other precious metals or rust or, or whatever. Uh, the Magic the Gathering cards are made out of paper and ink. And if you leave that for a long enough period of time, they're going to degrade unless they're kept in pristine condition. Unless they're kept in pristine condition. And well, that's where vintage comes to, Keegan. So, I mean, I've seen pictures of watches that are hundreds and thousands. My violin is over 100 years old mm -hmm. and it's 
uh, it's in good shape. It has increased in value because it has been played by people of over 100 years. And some things increase in value over time and some things decrease over value in time. It really depends on the context of how they're taken care of. Right. So your violin's an asset, but not a money. Sure, but I can trade it for money. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is why I'm saying that Ethereum, to some people, it can be considered money based on their belief system, but it is also an asset because it represents a share in something. Totally. I think... <laughs> I you want to get back into Bitcoin. We are <laughs> no, going actually, global crypto. I, I want to get back into the conversation about am I too late? Rather oh, okay. Than, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. So the narrative that, that I, I want to discuss next is one that I've observed with my family members and my friends. Uh, so I've been talking about Bitcoin with them since around 2014, more aggressively since about 2015, 2016. And he, like, basically it goes like this. Hey, have you considered Bitcoin? Have you considered where it's going? Um, have you considered buying just a little bit right now? Uh, take 50 bucks. And my friends also say like, no, like, look, this is this is crazy. It's Internet money. It's not going to be worth anything. It's a fad. Like those are those are the narratives. Uh, the next part of the conversation, if we actually get past like the acceptance is, OK, I'm not going to buy Bitcoin right now because the price is too high. Okay, fine. So I message them when the price goes down. I say, hey, the price is down. Maybe you should consider picking up a bit now because your reason before was that it uh, it was too high. And they say, no, the project's dead, obviously, because the price is low and it's crashing and it's tanked. It's not going anywhere. And I was like, okay, so if you won't buy when it's high and you won't buy when it's low, then you're just not bought into the concept of Bitcoin in general. And you're not looking at this from a long enough time scale. The price doesn't matter right now. It matters that you have some, not that you, uh, <laughs> yeah, because you can't wait for it to be a particular price to buy something. Like it, it's, you're going to try and time the market and you're, you will have a very difficult time doing that. What do you think? Oh yeah. Uh, well, those are the responses that you received from your, your friends. Um, I, well, I think it's, again, different for everybody because the people that I have talked to, they're, they're very intrigued by the idea, but the trigger to actually go and take action towards something comes in very late. And like you said, you haven't bought into the idea and the philosophy of cryptocurrency. For me, it was two years, for, actually. Okay. For From the time I heard about it to the time I actually pulled the trigger. For and you personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, it was more like two months or <laughs> a month and a half, but I was in a very different position. For my dad, it was four years. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I don't want to start pulling in people <laughs> that I know to go up this like uh, comparison scale. The point is that, yeah, some of my friends are like, oh, sure, Amruga, you're saying it. So, you know, I'll invest 10 bucks and um, they did it. And for, for others, it was just like, oh, cool. And then it was um, bringing up all of the uh, the things like, oh, it's not backed by anything. Oh, there's no regulations around it. Oh, it's used for money laundering. Oh, it's used for all of these other other things, um, all failing to recognize the potential of this particular technology. So, you know, to each their own, in time, all will be clear, all will be settled. And uh, to try to get as many people on the train of believing where this is going, that's your job and that's what we're doing. Yeah, rather than like believing us as well about where it's going, one of the best pieces of believing advice... Believing in. It, well, believing in, yeah. But if, if GoFo Crypto is your only resource for determining whether or not you should jump into cryptocurrency in any way, shape or form, then uh, I would 
just sincerely encourage you to go and look at other research resources, do your research. Don't take our what we're saying as face value at face value. Fact check us. Go and go and to, like do your own research. Do is what we've said about Bitcoin and Ethereum and the way that it works and the way that we conceptualize and, and tell the story of money. Does that resonate with you? And if, if not, then go find your own story, because like this is one of those things in life that is a topic uh that is that is huge, right? Is as big as the Himalayas. Like it's it's a huge, huge topic. That the, the Himalayas. The Himalayas. It was the biggest thing that I could think of that uh, nice. that came to mind. Yeah. Good comparison. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry to break your chain of thought there. No, it was good. I I was just kind of rambling anyway. So. Okay. Fantastic. Well, to sum up this conversation yes. and this episode, is it too late to buy Bitcoin? No. Is it too late to get into cryptocurrencies? No. How do I get into cryptocurrencies? We can help you with that. We essentially will always say you need to find a crypto strategy. Um, and that essentially just means how are you going to get in, when you're in it, what are you going to do, and how are you going to get out? And if you need any help with that, just uh, contact us. Um, go to our website, gofollowcrypto.com, G-O-F-U-L-L-C-R-Y-P-T-O.com, and get in touch with us and we'll help you figure it out and on on the note of, of ratings and uh and reviews as well we, we've actually got a, a couple more recently so i think this is actually working when at the end of the episode we say hey everybody please rate subscribe like and review our podcast this helps us reach other curious individuals and if you like our content that would that would greatly uh, accelerate the rate at which we are spreading our message able to reach more people yeah, yeah if you like this episode tell someone about it um there's also episode 10 and episode oh gosh the el zante one bitcoin beach episode it'll be labeled as such <laughs> <laughs> and um as always if you have a topic that you wanted us to dive into please don't hesitate to reach out we're very easy to find in the world of the internet yeah so that's ready at gofullcrypto.com or if you're Where in halifax email. nova scotia um uh, and you're climbing, for example, don't hesitate to walk up to us and tell us which episode you liked and suggest a topic. We are, we're friendly people. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you once again, everyone, for tuning in and stay tuned until next time. <laughs>